this is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. If you didn't know, consumers today are increasingly caring about the social consciousness of the companies that they do business with. In fact, according to Nielsen, a company that provides consumer insight, 55% of consumers globally report that they are even willing to pay more for products and services provided by companies that are committed to being socially and environmentally responsible. Now, this is good news for those wanting to turn a profit, but yet not compromise on helping society to become a better place at the same time. Now, I have one today, Lena Patidar, and she, the CEO of CoinUp, a mobile donation app that allows people to easily donate their virtual spare change from every purchase, which embraces the socially conscious business model. You know, this is definitely an opportunity for us as entrepreneurs or for us as just people in general for, you know, we don't, oftentimes we don't really care for spirit change, but now we can actually um, dedicate it to a specific cause that can make a difference in the world. And I'm definitely happy to have her with us. Lena, welcome. Thank you so much, Kaylin. It's great to be here. Great. Let's go back in time. How did Lena discover her love for entrepreneurship? Was it because, you know, was your parents entrepreneurs? Let's talk about that. So, you know, Kaylin, growing up, sometimes you don't really understand what's kind of going on around you. You don't really make sense of it all. And, it, you know, you really don't see your journey sometimes until hindsight. So now as I look back, I realize, you know, my parents had left India in the 60s and came to the U.S. And it was just a time of opportunity to come here. And I realize now more than ever, you know, that how entrepreneurial that is in itself, right? So I was actually surrounded by it without even really realizing it because my parents just took a, a huge risk, a huge leap of faith coming to a place that they didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, so they, they, uh, we, we were, I was born and raised here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had to figure things out for myself. I've always had to kind of figure things out for myself because my parents grew up in a different place. They didn't really understand how to apply to colleges, how to go get jobs and interview for different, you know, opportunities. And I remember, um, you know, uh, when I started working for Citibank, in uh, it was like 1994, I started working for Citibank, and I was it was a job where I would be traveling, not just in the U.S. but abroad. And my parents were like, "No, you can't do that. That's not right." And you know, global travel wasn't huge at that at that time. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh well, you know, we have to tr- I have to try this. I want you know, this is how the world is working. It's how you know business is going global, and you have to be part of it, or it's not you're not going to be a part of it at all." Uh-huh. So I'm like, "Let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll stop." They're like, all right. I was really young at the time, too. So, you know, they were just very nervous. I see. So I went on this opportunity and um, I started traveling. And then my parents started seeing it's just opening up a whole new world and understanding. You get smarter. You, you're dealing with people. You know, it's it's a great opportunity, right? Like you, you've taken Indeed. a whole leap in your career. And so that was great. And then um, I got an opportunity to go work in Jakarta, Indonesia, and Mumbai, India for four months each with Citibank. 
And again, they're kind of like, well, India's fine because we know that place, but I don't know about this Jakarta thing. And I'm like, again, you know, I'll go try it. If it doesn't work, I'll come back. And they're like, all right. And they just saw how amazing it was for me to have these opportunities, you know. And um, again, at the time, I didn't realize how big they were. It's almost only looking back, I realized, you know, I actually met with Margaret Thatcher when I was in Jakarta, Indonesia. Wow. I met with the CEO of Citibank, head of corporate audit. Citibank. It was like, it was this really worldly experience, but you really can't process it because, you know, it's, it's like, you know, your mind has to have all these different experiences in order to really understand where you're at. Of course. And, you know, really, you know, probably you among the minority was probably really the few to really start uh, kind of making a type of uh, working abroad kind of trendy. And it really wasn't, you know, prior, prior to the Internet, it wasn't really kind of no digital nomad community. It really was no, uh, you know, really high uh, level of Americans working abroad, except the military, of course. But, uh, you know, you know, now, you know, I mean, obviously you saw the benefits in it. You know, for me, I am of the same life. You know, for me, okay. I, I live abroad uh, 10 months, uh, 10 months a year. And uh, basically, uh, you know, I have a very convenient setup, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I write my own books as well. Uh, so I do a lot of ghostwriting for uh, for some Fortune 500 clients. And then I have my radio show and simply uh, as we spoke about off air and where I could just essentially record the episode, you know, edit, remaster it and then just sit it to the stations for it to broadcast on their AM, FM and satellite stations on Friday. So when it comes to remote work, it's really becoming easier than ever and it's actually becoming more accepted. It's not kind of looked at as like, well, what are you doing? That's kind of weird. So yeah, it's kind of great yeah. to it's kind of great to hear your story and, yeah. and and how you start with. So you know, talking about that, you say you definitely uh, you spend a lot of time working with Citibank. Uh, prior to that, uh, did you go to university? Uh, was your parents like kind of gun ho? Like, you're, well, I don't care what you say, Lena. You're going to <laughs> university. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. yeah. So growing up, my parents. I mean, education was so huge for us. Um, in fact, my family had started, my, my dad's family actually set up one of the first co-ed colleges in the state of Punjab in India. So education is so huge for us, for, you know, women and men. And my parents were like, I mean, not only college was not an option, but graduate school was also not an option. <laughs> They're like, we don't care what graduate school you go to, but you will go to graduate school. We want to make sure you can stand on your own two feet and you're able to, you know, take advantage of opportunities and just have the best you know, we, we want to make sure we're not, if, we're, if they're not around, that I would still be okay on my own. Uh -huh. They were very worried about this. And I was like, okay, that's all I've never known. It wasn't ever something, you know, we questioned. Uh -huh. So, but I'm so thankful for it. You know, I'm, I'm so thankful because it has given me a lot of opportunities. And so, you know, I come from a family of physicians. My family, you know, my, my grandparents, my brothers, my, you know, just my world was, so when I was going to college, I went to Loyola University in Chicago. Um, I was going to college and, and my dad's like, well, what are you going to be? I'm like, I don't know, but I can't stand the sight of blood, so I'm not going to be a doctor. <laughs> and I really didn't know much else about what other careers were out there. Um, and so then I found out that I had this love of accounting, love of audit and accounting um, and reconciling. And I was like, oh, this is, this is good. My, my, my professor in college, my second year, he, you know, he, he started teaching this accounting class and I was like, oh, I get this. This makes sense. Debits, credits. And um, I was like, I can do this. And, you know, sometimes that, that light goes on and all of a sudden you know what you're supposed to do and you're motivated, you're inspired. So I went down that path and I got my CPA. And at first my dad was like, you know, well, what does that mean? What are you going to do with that? And I'm like, well, I'll be an accountant and I'll always have a job, right? There's two things are certain in life or death and taxes. So I'll That's always right. have a job. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, that's a good thing. 
Um, so I started working, and um, that's when I started working for Citibank, as I said. And then I went to go work at Ernst & Young. Um, I was a management consultant there in the financial services industry. And again, I had an opportunity for being kind of innovative. So like you said, going abroad and living abroad um, for those months at Citibank was, you know, very new at the time. Very, you know, it was a pioneering effort that Citibank had started to develop global leaders. So they sent us abroad because they said, you know, if you're going to be leaders of Citibank, we really want you to go abroad and have these great experiences so you really understand what it's like on a global level. That's, you know, because if, if you're going to be a leader of a multinational corporation, you're going to have to get your feet wet. Indeed. That was their whole thing. So Indeed. that was a very, that was a new program they just started then. And um, after I was there for a few years, I ended up going to City, uh, sorry, Ernst & Young, and I was management consultant there. And amazingly enough, I worked on one of the first internet banking products in 1996. Uh-huh. So there was just one or maybe two internet banking products out at the time, and we were working on the next one. And now it's, you know, completely integrated in the Midwest. It's a major company in the new, in the Midwest. But you know, I developed the user screens, the user experience. At the time, there was no, you know, connotation for UI, UX. Right. But, you know, we were just developing these things and trying to figure out what the process was that people would go through. It was really interesting, right? Like, you're like, okay, so what do people, you know, they've entered their username and password, you know, then what should they do? Then how should they progress? And what are the options you give them? And what's the security levels like? Yeah. I mean, at that time, nobody was thinking about putting their banking information online. They were like, hell no, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would definitely say that it's so interesting how we use so many things, but we don't even know how it works. Like I used to like like my business lives on the Internet. If the Internet were to die or something or I don't know, some type of uh, global hack attack, like that would be my business. And I, I have no idea yeah. if someone says explain to me how the Internet work. I couldn't tell you. You know, if you say, if you, you know, you're talking about, you know, you talk about you creating banking products and, you know, I definitely, I definitely have online banking because that's how I am. That's how I'm able to sustain myself abroad. But I don't know what UX, UI, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but it's so interesting how we all benefit from a lot of these things, even though uh, we're not really educated about the intricacies of it. Start with a free audio book. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time, but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. That's right. You know, and I had again, had no idea what that was going to mean for me later on in my life. So, you know, now that you're, you're at this phase of your life, you look back and you see how those were all stepping stones to get to where you are now. I mean, now we're developing this, this amazing mobile app and I'm having to look at the screens and the process and the user thinking behind how they go through this process. And it's like all of that was coming back from 1996, 20 years ago. You know, at the time, I mean, Google didn't exist. You know, I think I had a Yahoo email, uh-huh. but there was no cell phones. It was crazy. I yeah. Mean, but yeah, back then Yahoo was the big deal, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me ask you this: um, altogether, I would say consistently, uh, how long was you living abroad consistently? Okay, so four months in Mumbai and then four months in Jakarta. Eight months. Right. Okay. And do you feel? Do you personally feel? I mean, I mean, you actually have a master's degree, and and and, and then you know the fact that you've been abroad for eight months. But overall, do you feel like? This uh, the abroad experience 
kind of made you a better person personally and professionally? I mean, despite that you already being from kind of uh, Indian descent, because kind of going back to Mumbai is even though you haven't lived there, you still you're still somewhat familiar with the culture because your parents are from there. But overall, do you feel like your time in Mumbai, your time in Jakarta have made you a better person personally and professionally? Well, that's a good question, Kaylin. Um, you're right. So growing up, I went to India quite often. So I understood the concept of being there. Um, being abroad, you know, so you think you're going to go get this tactical experience about how to, you know, build operations in these various countries at your at your job. But really, that's not the experience that's most valuable, right? Like you're saying, the experience that's most valuable is learning how to adapt with other people, how to rise to the occasion, how to deal with upper level management or peer groups or people who are working for you and really, you know, understand that all these people are part of your team and just how to speak, right? And how to how to manage all different directions. That was one major experience. The other one was definitely just learning to accept different um, cultures and languages and understandings. And, you know, when you speak with people, really understanding where they come from so you can connect with them. Indeed. You probably know this better than I do, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I like to say I do, you know, but uh, well, well, definitely uh, going around the world when I speak to other people, I, like I, I've only been, uh, well, I was abroad. Well, the first time I was abroad was 2010. I spent uh, nine months uh, in South America, and then uh, and then recently I went abroad. I left I left the U.S. Uh, June 2015, and I've been abroad since. I've only be- between between then and now I've only gone back to the U.S. for uh, only about two months, uh, for 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 a total period of two months. So uh, I-, I like to say I kind of have a good grasp of when it comes to cultural customs and differences and, you know, being able to adapt and flexible culture shock. But uh, even, you know, the more countries I visit or more countries I live in, rather, uh, I'm still amazed. Uh, I'm still amazed. And uh, for me, uh, you know, I like to say I do have a better grasp, but at the same time, I'm still in a position where I can still uh, learn more and still be more adaptable. I think that's so good. I think it's just so important to be flexible because the minute you think you know everything is the minute you start putting walls up and assuming things. For sure. Let me ask you this question, Lena. You know, you know, be, you know again, if you're just tuning in, uh, we have Lena. Uh, she's the chief executive officer of CoinUp, a mobile donation app that allows people to easily donate their virtual spare change from every purchase. Let me ask you this. What would you, I mean, because you, you probably may have a lot of friends uh, that uh, are in a specific situation. Now, sometimes, Lena, people, they do their first two years of university and they just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to just test the waters out. I'll just probably just do my general studies for the first two years. And then they get to their second year and really feel that, wow, this college experience, you know, really hasn't really done anything for me. And maybe uh, maybe if I just, just take this experience that I have, maybe just... I guess graduate with an associate's degree, and then if I just go abroad for my third year instead of going to my junior year, you know, maybe I can, you know, find maybe I could maybe I could find something that really resonates with me, you know. Now, what, you know, would you recommend a gap year? And if you if you would recommend a gap year, would you recommend it, you know, between sophomore and junior, or would you recommend it prior to going to college? I'm just curious to hear your take about that. Oh, that's interesting. So I do have kids uh, who are in high school, well, middle school and high school, and they already know that I'm going to be push- pushing them to go live abroad for at least a semester, if not a year. Uh-huh. I think it's very important. It's a whole different level of education to be immersed in another culture and, you know, learn um, other traditions and, you know, have a global mindset. Because even if you never travel again, 
it helps you in your everyday life, right? Indeed. To accept and to understand and to be open to unique experiences. So I think it's very important. I think one thing is um, the older you are, the better it is because then you just have more experience to take with you to know what you don't know. Does that make sense? Um, uh, so, so you're saying you recommend doing it when you're older? Well, I think um, college is really a great time to go. Mm-hmm. I would probably go my sophomore year, junior year of college, mm-hmm. you know, um, or the summer in between, something like that. Mm-hmm. But you want to be mature enough that you can go there and want to experience things and want to understand, you know, what you're getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because... It's one of the reasons business school, you know, a lot of business schools will want you to go and work first before you apply to business school because if you're just going straight from college to business school, you don't really know what you don't know. You don't know what you're trying to get out of business school. You don't know what you're missing and what links you need. So if you work for a few years or travel at those years after college before going to business school or some you know graduate school or whatever, um, you'll come back much richer and much more inspired to go learn. Indeed. That's a great point you bring up, Lena. I, there's a lot of – I mean I, th- I think now – you know, so, uh, there's there's definitely a group of business schools that are turning the tide, or definitely are setting the trend. But oftentimes, they accept a lot of these type of students that you describe it. They they really haven't worked for anybody. You know, maybe maybe they, maybe uh, maybe maybe uh, you know they came from a very you know privileged family, a very kind of whole type of family. And you know, perhaps they, perhaps perhaps their parents told their kids, you know, you don't have to worry about, it. you don't have to work. You know, just focus on your studies, just stay in college, which is great. But when they go to business school. It's like they have no work experience, you know, and yeah. often sometimes those type of business schools, they accept them. And then once they graduate, have their MBA, you know, it's still like they're still not they're still not fully prepared because even though they have the academic experience, you know, it's, it's often better to have the experiential experience before the academic experience. Because I because I, I find at least, you know, the, the people I've talked with, it kind of ties in together more smoothly as opposed to, you know, just 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 becoming book smart. And then trying to apply all that while you're working. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And there's so many different levels of um, expanding your mind, right? I mean, of course, academics is so important. Um, The other part is travel. The other part is working, working at different types of companies or working in different industries, working at different levels, you know, you know, for instance, you know, employees and staff accountants or level versus senior level versus manager managing people is a whole different level of experience so all of these things combined just i think just gives you a, a richer perspective inspiration um you know even even talking about working out like you can go work out at the gym and you could run or you you could run outside or mm-hmm. you can do yoga or fly. like there's so many different things that can just expand your horizons in many different ways and for I sure think- i'm def i'm definitely a fan because there are more and more companies that are doing this. You know, a lot of these companies tend to be smaller, so they're not the the Bank of Americas, they're not the Wells Fargo's or the Coca Colas, but yeah. uh, but a lot of these medium sized companies definitely a fan of what they're doing is they will they will hire you know they, they will hire typically uh, a, a entry level student a kid coming out of high school you know they'll hire them they'll give them a chance even before college and mm-hmm. if they see that the kid is loyal. Uh, you know, so for example, the kid, the kid been with the company for let's say you know one two years, and and he's actually he's he's actually, he's actually shown his competency, and he's he's a, he's, a, he's a good employee. They those companies will actually put them through college, so they they will be able, right. they will be able to continue to work with the company while being able to start their degree, basically tuition free. And I love that model. I definitely love that model because it, it it talks about what you were saying before, as far as allowing the kids to work first, you know, okay. before they start going to these business schools. 
You know, so that way it kind of really sets them up for, you know, for to succeed. I hope that uh, more businesses uh, go in that direction. I agree with you. Good yeah. thought. Yeah. Wonderful episode. You can get it when you become our premium radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your subscription today. What do you get? You get things like early access to the episodes, commercial free one hour episodes, mastermind calls with our guests, freebies from our guests, as well as much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription for it's another way for you to start reaching your finish line. Now, now you know you have this mobile app, Alina Coin Up. You know, a mobile donation app that allows people to easily donate their virtual spirit change from every purchase. And you know, now everyone is on mobile nowadays. You know, for me, you know, I'm not really a big fan of the smartphones. You know, I really, you know, I have like huge fingers, and you know, when I try <laughs> to type on the thing, I type like three different letters. And <laughs> but, but it's like, it's like, it's like nowadays, it's like, I, it's like I have no choice. You know, okay. I have to have a smartphone because that's where everything is going now. You know, and, you know, nowadays, you know, when I when I produce email newsletters, uh, you know, I produce different types of content. Uh, for various publications, entrepreneur, and all that, you know, a lot of people always ask me, you know, hey, can you, can you create a, a mobile-friendly version of it? You know, and that's like, you know, that's like saying, well, and, and, and that tells me that, you know, really, uh, the, the demand for mobile, I, I would imagine that you have seen. Now, it's like, you know, as as things change, you definitely have to adjust to the trends quickly, or you're going to get left out. You know, you, right. you, you can't be doing the same thing over and over again while new things are changing. And this is kind of how you develop uh, this mobile app. And everyone is developing mobile apps nowadays. You know, that's kind of, you know, you, know, you, know you, you have a lot of people like uh, Noah Kagan and these other people who have these uh, app courses. And it could be a really good way to get into the entrepreneurial world. Let's talk about yours because I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I really like the idea. And I really, I really wish people would be more uh, socially conscious uh, about their purchases. So, what inspired you, Alina, to uh, found CoinUp? So, as you've been saying, um, I really love to pioneer various efforts. I've, you know, pioneered in the internet banking space. I've pioneered in the medical health space, um, and you know, with new technologies and new ideas and new thoughts. Um, and so now, I was kind of thinking about my next business adventure. And I was thinking about, wow, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could incorporate something that is socially conscious and that could incorporate making the world a better place in somehow, some way, some form, you know? I mean, I'm just one person, but I didn't know how I was going to really make a difference even around me, but I needed to figure that out. So I started looking at different business ideas out there and I started realizing how many companies are starting to incorporate um, giving or community service, you know, within their, within their companies and employees are you know, demanding this from their employers. And I thought, well, how can we create the, the right model, you know, for a business that would be successful in this world? So we started coming upon mobile apps and different ideas. And I realized there's really no mo- direct mobile donation app where you can actually just select a charity and donate to a charity, you know, of your choice. Um, there's opportunities like where you can go to the grocery store or certain restaurants and things like that, and you can donate but you don't get to choose the charity. It's a one-time donation, and you never really feel the impact of the dollars that you're giving there. Or, and you're not getting the credit for that. Great models. They've been very successful in their own way. 
But then I was like, what about people feeling more engaged in their giving? So how can we take these apps to the next level or these opportunities to the next level? Uh-huh. Started developing this app and you know, started talking to nonprofits. I'm, I'm on the, I was on the board of a couple of nonprofits. I started just talking to them and what their pains and struggles are and you know, what their kind of objectives have been. They're, like, well, they're all trying to reach the millennial market uh-huh. and recurring donations is a huge factor for them because otherwise right now they have these galas or these marathons once a year or twice a year where they have events where they, you know, uh, receive the donations they need for their organization. But how do they, cons- they don't have a way to consistently keep gaining revenues throughout the year and being able, you know, it's, it's a whole different business model for them if they're able to have c- consistent income coming in throughout the year. For sure. And, and let me ask you this, Lena, now, uh, <laughs> I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, is there like a uh, a desktop version? Like, like can someone just access, like, can someone, uh, like, uh, be a part of your app, like, online, or do they have to have a smartphone? You know, Kaylin, I was thinking about that as you were telling me. So, currently, we're only in the Apple Store, but we are about to come out with a, a web-based app. So oh, basically, okay. you'd, anybody would be able to get onto the website and sign up and also see it on your phone right. uh, in a mobile-friendly way. Right. But for listeners who are tuning in, you're on uh, Apple and Android, right? No, we're currently only on Apple. Oh, only on Apple. And, okay. Yeah, we'll be coming out the web version next so everybody can join us because, for instance, you have a different phone, and I haven't actually heard of that one. But you know, if we came out with Android, you still may not be able to get on board. So we wanted to make sure everybody could get on board, mm-hmm. and then we'll come out with the Android app soon after that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like all of my friends are trying to get me on Apple, but I don't know. I guess I'm just this, you know, reluctant little guy. You know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, so st- st- stuck somewhere, stuck somewhere in another country. I don't know. Like I, I, I you know, I've had, I, I've been, I've been doing Windows for all my life, and you know, I've just, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I'm, I think, Lena, I'm eventually given and start. You know, <laughs> buying some Apple products. I, I actually, I do have a, I do have an Apple iPod, so that's a step in the right direction. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> good one. You got a little bit of the experience. No, so the reason is, so I think worldwide, Android actually does have a much wider user base. Yeah. But in the U.S. alone, mobile app engagement is huge with Apple. Mm. I mean, there are, um, of course, many Android users here as well, and other devices. But Apple has a really huge. I mean, mm-hmm. quite a. a um, quite a difference in uh, the mobile app user engagement uh, that they get versus other uh, devices. So we, we wanted to make sure that we could gain a strong market share before we started to develop the other, um, develop for the other devices. Right. That's and, really what it came down to. Indeed. And on the other side of it, uh, Lena, if nonprofits wanted to become a part uh, you know, want, want to join your app. You know, now, do these nonprofits have to be 501c3 certified first, or could they just, as soon as they uh, incorporate their nonprofit, uh, they can uh, become a part of uh, CoinApp? So it's, it's two different processes. You must be a 501c3 public charity registered with your state, mm-hmm. and um, you need to do that in order to be to be on our app because uh, that's the only type of charities that you can actually receive a deduction for. Mm. We want to make it very clear to everyone that, you know, when you do uh, donate to the charities on our app, mm-hmm. those are 501c3 public charities that you are qualified for a tax deduction. I mean, everyone has different tax issues, so you definitely have to consult your advisor, mm-hmm. your CPA or your ta- your accountant. And um, But, uh, you know, for the most part, these, these charities are tax-deductible donations, and we want to make sure we stay pretty consistent and we're providing, 
you know, the quality organizations that are out there that are what, what you know, people when they are donating, they often are donating because they also get a deduction for that at the end of the year. So we want to make sure that we're not confusing the issue. And we're for sure. Yeah, that's definitely something uh, I want to do. Uh, you know, uh, something I plan on doing next year is starting uh, my own uh, nonprofit, you know, just Great. to really – uh, well, because because I kind I kind of already I already work with a nonprofit now. Um, they're called Library for All, so uh, it gives me an opportunity to really uh, get my books into developing countries. And I know often a lot of times, you know, the people there they make very low wages and they they, they can't afford my book anyway. So I work I work I work with uh, that nonprofit organization, and um, you know through them uh, they make it possible for every person in a developing country to get my book for free. So, um, so, but, but it's, wow. it's definitely something that I'm, it's definitely something that, you know, while I'm happy with the relationship with them, I would like to kind of spearhead and do on my own. So, uh, you know, it's definitely something I want to do, but perhaps you may know about this, um, Lena, do, yeah. are you aware, how long does it typically take for a nonprofit organization to get 501c3 status? So um, I think it would just take a couple of months. It really it, it's the paperwork that you have to file that would take the most time. Mm-hmm. And then once the states get it, I think it would just take 60 to 90 days. I don't think it takes a lot of time, but it's just the paperwork, making sure that's organized and done correctly okay. more than anything else. Okay, so about three months. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, so definitely, yeah, again. I, I it depends what state you're in as well. Some states have much stringent, much more stringent um standards and other states and the way they go about things so it just depends also what state you're organizing in that's very true and lena if, as we come to a close if people want to follow you or get in contact with you how would they do that yeah so they can definitely go to our website and they can um send an email through hollerback at coinupapp.com or i'm happy to get emails directly at lena l-e-e-n-a at coinupapp.com as well um we'd love to hear from everyone great lena thank you for being our guest Thank you so much, Karen. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.